What the hell is going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Austin with FTM Alerts, and welcome to Phantom Unchained, episode number 50, the final Phantom Unchained. Cheers, my friends. Double sharp, turn a light on or something. What's going on with you, bro? Ah, there he is. I thought you were there just trying is. to go anonymous. You can you can start anonymous, but you can't go back. That's that's what happens. With me, as always, my wonderful co-host, 24. Why are you drinking that oversized water, dude? It's a normal size, guys. Is this a joke? Like, dude, that's a gallon of water. That's a normal, normal. gallon of water. Uh, crypto Clay, Justin Bebas, and Double Sharp. Now, all right, full disclosure. <laughs> Clay just had movers really piss him off. <laughs> and like, like he hopped on like with one minute to go before we were going to start. And I was like, bro, go meditate, go breathe real quick. Cause it was just like, it was in his eyes, man. He was, he was ready to go at it. Holy 20, shit. 24 gallons. I like that. 24. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is the final phantom Unchained, but we're not going anywhere. We're going to be doing a full rebrand on the channel. We're just not going to be a phantom specific channel, uh, any longer. And that's this is something that's been in the works. It's not a secret. We've been we've been uh, working on this for a little while now. Our soft launch date, and I call it soft because who the hell knows what's gonna gonna go on. But uh, September first is a soft date we've put out. So we'll take next week off. You know, thank you guys for mentioning GABA. I don't think we put that topic in, but that should be like the first topic we talk about because Let's that is a it. that is a juicy ass story. Uh, here, hang on. Uh, okay. All right, here it is. Uh, let's start with that. So uh, here, here's the, here's the basic scenario of, of what I understood. Now, if you guys go back, episode 20, we had Gabagool on, uh, the guy that, that took some money out of the Velodrome wallet. Uh, we had him on as a guest because he was... And again, correct me if I'm incorrect here. One of the founders of Info Token DAO, Information Token DAO, who were the guys that launched VDAO, also the Weave token. So they, you know, they were viciously attacked when they launched VDAO over on Phantom. So we had them on uh, just to just to kind of, I don't know, man, just to get another perspective, I guess. Uh, since getting to know those guys, you know, what what Gabba did aside, the rest of the team is has been pretty stellar, and they've had a really, really good performance with with Velodrome. Uh, but what what ended up happening, I guess, from what I understand, and again, correct me, uh, is he took some money out of the team wallet and then tornadoed it. I think after the OFAC sanctions, even uh, is when I'm not positive, but I think so, and then got caught and returned it. Uh, am I? Can someone sum yep. this up better than yep. I can? Yep. No, I mean, I think I think you're you're pretty right. So, uh, effectively, I mean, he's I don't know. I think he's on private now, but he put out a statement um, that basically said he lost a, a bunch of money trading during the crash, a significant amount, at least to him, uh, and he made a incredibly bad decision uh, because he was in charge of the the you know, the the IT DAO's allocation of Velo, and then basically. Exchange 50k, 56k worth of valid USDC in an attempt to revenge trade, but I think he took you know all of the 350k out of the Velodum uh, team wallet, swapped it all to ETH, sent it to Tornado Cash, 
uh, and what he quotes as a pathetic attempt to solve his own problems, to get out of a trap of uh, his own making. Uh, he thought he could make back 56K and return all the funds you know, without anybody noticing. So, wow. So, yeah. So that happened. Uh, you know, when they released the statement, I had to check the calendar. Like, is this, are we getting an April Fool's joke right now? Because it's, he's not just like, a member i'm pretty sure he's the founding member like Dude, of a lot yeah. of this shit right yeah so the the thing that i got out of this i mean obviously like he gave up probably millions and millions of dollars in you know future earnings as a result but here's the thing i got out of this that i you know maybe a lot of other people didn't is that you know when the markets take a turn like this uh you know we've got our own situation that we're focusing on we know how it's affecting us but but some people get affected in a really major way to the point that they're willing to make life altering decisions to try and solve their problems and i think that's one thing that i kind of forget when the markets flip flop like this is that you know some people really struggle with this shit for whatever yeah i mean i i, I, mean, I it's it's a miss so go ahead double shot i was going to say specific like i think specifically leverage and it's not um, specific to crypto, like you see this in the stock market too, when people uh, short stocks or whatever, and then they just get, they, you know, get way down and then try to do something crazy to get it back and then lose a ton of money and do all sorts of dumb stuff because they just got in too deep. So, I, I mean, I still think it's a pattern of, of, you know, messing with leverage is what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, the emotional side effects of, of this industry and ecosystem are real. That's what that's what jumps out to me. I mean, to make a decision like that, you know, sacrifice your position with a protocol that's got 100 million in TVL on a new chain that's got 2.5 billion. And I'm sure you had a, you know, a large amount of team stake as well, you know, within that sort of you know, redevelopment of Solidly over on Optimism, if you're not familiar with Velodrome. Uh, but it's incredibly, incredibly short-sighted. And obviously, um, terribly emotionally driven. I mean, it's sad, honestly. Um, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the action, but I have sympathy for the people that get way too caught up in, in this ecosystem and do really stupid things. Um, and you know, if you can't if you can't trade well, then you shouldn't be messing with leverage. I don't know how he lost the money. <laughs> that's that's a killer conclusion. I, it, yeah. it reminds me of the Donut King. Yeah, ah, he finally watched it. Twenty million dollars, uh, creating a donut empire, uh, in Southern California, and then lost it all in Las Vegas. Uh, and it's like a lot of people are in really good spots and like earning a lot of money, get their career. Like Gabagool had a good career. Like that guy had a lot of Twitter followers. He had a lot of respect. He had a lot of notoriety. Whatever. Um. Like throwing that away is like throwing away like a bunch of gold bars or some shit. It it really isn't sensible to me. And like, you know, I you know horrible decision making X Y Z. I I just think like I I have no idea what what possibly could have outweighed what immediate need could have outweighed the long-term benefits of, of having a career and a position like he had. Um, well, you know, that's, chasing, a, that's why you reward people like this, like well, with I think I like, heard, opportunity. I heard somebody use, I, maybe I was mistaken too. Like I heard that someone use the term gambling. And so that's why I assumed it. I, like I exactly. kind of assumed it was something like that where you're like, yeah. that's why I thought it was maybe leverage or something. Cause you're just like, if you're winning, winning, winning in an up market, it like, 
you can't do anything wrong. And then it goes wrong and you're like, well, it was going right before. So like next time I'll, I'll get it. I legitimately, I have no idea like the details of it. But, yeah, like, we're I've speculating. Seen, seen that well, like you could see you could see the details like it was i don't know if you guys read the whole thing but mm. essentially like he like you guys said you, you heard his story you know he lost quite a bit and he thought he could you know trade his way with the three like he didn't think he would get caught he thought he could take the 350 kind of flip it a couple times maybe some leverage trading whatever it is and then replace the money uh which which i thought was funny he even had a tweet uh after they hacked describing like oh Nothing is is like he just described his own hack. Like a cryptic, yeah, was, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so I, he, I mean, go ahead. It, it seems like the kind of thing though that you like, you see people who just whether it's whether it's gambling or drugs or like just you know poor life decisions or what. It seems like the kind of thing where I've seen it in other scenarios that people just get in really deep and then like have like have this great idea that if i just do this one thing and then it works out then i'll be you know i'll be good again and no one will ever find out and it <laughs> everyone it, found I, out I, I, I mean, they call that, I, maybe, and yeah. maybe that works out for people all the time and i would just uh, find out about it but it seems like cool. it doesn't actually work out that often. Yeah, I mean, I believe they call that the definition of addiction right i mean you, well you, that's what i was gonna say it sounds like addiction there this was straight from episode twenty of Unchained. Somebody screencast. Yo, this. Clay, you went, you went mute, bro. Come back, come back. Nope, got nothing. You guys hear him or no? I don't hear him. Well, anyhow, all right. So this is this is a hell of a story, man. And honestly, like, again, I got in mid to late twenty seventeen, bought stupid shit coins, watched them go up. Watched it all go down, wrote out the entire bear market. Wasn't really as well connected then as I am now to be getting information and kind of like understanding what the data says. But, um, but I don't remember like these massive liquidation events and like I, we just didn't have the capital in the market to support like a $16 billion cryptocurrency uh, going poopy doop like Luna or like just crazy, crazy shit events that are happening like that. So, you know, whatever. Modest Tuna says Andre retired, bro, bro. Oh, Clay, you're back. Are you back? I am. Yep. Ah, thanks. Thanks, Welcome back, buddy. It was probably the movers. The movers fucked with your headset. All right. uh, (laughs) Let's keep this going. So on a more positive note, and and we just wanted to give these guys a little bit of a feature. So uh, Creaticals, which is an awesome uh, NFT platform where you can, you can source uh nft artists to come on and like do like a little you can do all sorts of shit if you want a custom pfp you could source that sort of thing you could do a contest they decided to do a contest on our behalf for ftm alerts and we got a couple of really cool winners that i think clay has pulled up on his screen uh that we wanted to show real quick yes dude all right so that that's winner number one who is it uh, well i'm guessing it's me with the backwards hat but I think oh that's yeah, awesome. yeah, okay. That, but right. he's like sixteen. That kid's You're like, like about way to skinnier jump on a tech than me, and yeah. yeah, he's got a much cooler <laughs> chair than I have. But Super dope anyhow, guy. it's a it's a badass drawing or whatever it is. Uh, would like to actually put that up somewhere. Hang that shit. My wife would never let me hang that shit. All right. <laughs> and the All next right. one, I, I want to dig into the next one though, because uh, okay. the next one is from V from Beethoven X, an absolute legend. Hopefully he's watching the show because I just want to like sing his praises for a second. Do you have it there? 
Yes, sir. Yeah. Can you can you zoom in? Because there's a level of detail in this that is absolutely amazing. So, you know, you've got on air, shut the fuck up, which I love holding a vape, bunch of vapes in the background. You got, Nick, you, got, you got Nick with his, you know, you got to watch the show to know that he used to play poker. Like that was his thing. Uh, big ass yacht in the background. Awesome. <laughs> Let's keep going down. Uh, and there's Clay with his first class porting pass. Was that something you said on a show? Did you say first yeah, class, baby? I, I had a, I had a red eye on to get to show 48 and I got, randomly upgraded it was like so thankful for it so yeah all right and then we got we got double sharp with not just he's got all this it's basically all the same hat uh just stacked like 30 of them and uh, apparently a venus flytrap or the little shop of horrors plant next Dude, that's it. a piranha it's mario mario, card, mario bro. bro are you yeah. kidding me all right, well, I'm, I'm older than y'all. Whatever, dude. Dude, you that, dude, your excuse for everything. Yeah. Listen, listen, those are actual the double sharp hats that he wears, I think. So that's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Swan snooze. And then we got, of course, we got 24 with his broken arm. Too. I brought a basketball, too. You did. Yo, dude, the details are insane, dude. Like the insane. doors for everyone. And dude, the look at your eyebrows here, 24. I So I was zooming in because it almost looked like he put writing in there, like he put a coded message in your eyebrows. But, you know, I was just, <laughs> I was just being weird. And then we got Beavis holding a little – is that a plush duck? It's plushy. Yeah, that was when you were gone as well. Oh, that's man, uh, that's shit. a character called Curiatori created by uh, Japanese toy manufacturer wow. San X. That's amazing. And he's got – uh, beat all juice, which is just the name's funny. Uh, and shit. Sounds like either yeah, beat, beat, beat off juice or like he's gonna beat everyone up. One of the two. So anyhow, V, absolute legend. Killed dude. it. Uh, this Killed is it. such a such a great one. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And uh, let's move on. Let's move on. All right. So what happened over in the Netherlands? So the the tornado cash. One of the tornado cash developers, not like like one of the main developers is over in the UAE, I believe, but one of the tornado cash developers got arrested and this kicked off just a, an absolute tailspin of crazy shit. Uh, can somebody, can somebody shed some light on this? Beavis, you probably have a lot of information here, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the most difficult thing is now like, well, first of all, OFAC and like the fed sanctions and whatnot, those have to some extent been in place for years. So like the ban list, et cetera, have been in place for a long time. It's just like uh, with the banning of tornado cash, it's like they've just shit in our like lunch, you know, it's like really, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to like pretend tornado cash is like, you know, some paragon of, average user privacy you know it is used for money laundering for the most part like most of the dollar volume is used for money laundering and stuff um you know i digress like if if you were worried about donations or things like that like you could maybe send it to a sex and then send it back or similar and maybe that's not totally secure but um really the issue is they're banning technology that doesn't have like a sway, you know, it's not good or evil. It's just a utility. Um, and it's a utility that was often used um, to launder money and to get 
away from exploits. And now that it is gone or more difficult to utilize, frozen, etc. I mean, you know, it's still on chain. I think people can still use it, no problem. I don't think there's an off switch. There is if you're blocked or if you transfer, like I, like if we, if you're living in the, in the States and you transfer somebody at tornado cash address, you know, USDC, oh, yeah. you go to jail for 30 years. Like this is a Pandora's box of shit. This is yeah, a nightmare. It like, is. It is. Like, this, is Pandora's box of this is shit. insane. Like there's a couple things, right? So if a treasury can sanction tornado cash, then it can sanction any code, right? Code, code yeah. can't respond to an affidavit. Code can't collect a warrant. It has no idea you're coming for it. Nor do the people oh. that like, like the people that got arrested didn't get handed a warrant until they show up at their door. There's no, like, there's no due process in this. Like code is not, I mean, I, I just, I can't imagine a world where any software is safe if a treasury yeah. can sanction code and then put people in jail for up to 30 years for it. Like that is, yeah. that is insane. <clears throat> well, this fight is about, it's there, like, insane. There's an interesting story though, around the creation of uh, PGP many, many years ago, the, the email privacy and how that was initially considered to be like munitions or some crazy shit. And then the U S government basically said, okay, you can use it in the United States, but you're not allowed to export this to any countries outside of the United States. So what the developer did is he essentially completely open sourced it and just blasted it out because what happens is when it goes on to, I forget exactly how he did it. Uh, but he, he, when it gets into print media, like code is supposedly what the theory was that it falls under the first amendment freedom of speech. And this, this, now we're getting into some really interesting arguments, but the other side of the argument was, you know, the department of treasury knew that, that they could shut all of this down right or wrong. And even if they lose in court, it's going to take them years for anyone to come in and untangle this web. Even if they're proven wrong, it doesn't matter. The damage will be done. It'll be done. Right. That's basically the argument that I was hearing. Yeah, I think that's right. I and mean, if you want to scare the shit out of people that are writing open source code, this is a pretty good way to do it. And you also have to think about the day, the guy they arrested, does he have the money to, to actually hire the lawyers? I mean, maybe he might have a ton of money from, from Tornado Cash, but like he's got to go through the entire legal process now, which to your point could take years to unwind. Like it's, it's pretty yeah. frightening. Yeah. It, it, it just like makes me kind of scared for, you know, what we're working on, what we're developing. I mean, like on the like compliance side, like OFC, OFAC sanctions are like, you know, a huge looming giant. Like, you know, there's already pressure for us to comply over on Phantom, at least for anybody um, who's like, you know, really deep in the regulatory scene. Um, Like they want people to comply and, I think, um, honestly, the, the, the companies, the big DeFi companies that instantly implemented the ban list, I really respect a lot because they're protecting the rest of the industry. Because if they resisted, 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 they were just going to get harder and harder pushback. And they're the biggest names in the business. So they comply instantly. And then now everybody relaxes and we can focus on litigating this thing. Um, so, you know, I appreciate them taking the hit. I know it like pissed a lot of people off. It gave competitors a lot of ammunition, but now like the second tier, third tier, fourth tier protocols don't need to quake in their boots because, uh, regulators are satisfied. Um, so right now we have some breathing room, um, because Ave and Uniswap and all of them acted so quickly, 
um, but we need to like act and we need to organize. Um, I don't really know how to do that. Uh, um, you know, I uh, am hoping like the Electronic Frontier Frontier Foundation, like uh, really, really like tries to fight this thing. Um, I imagine they have the lawyers with the experience necessary. There are some other lawyers that are building up um, capital and, and building up some other stuff uh, to fight it. But it makes me nervous uh, on the compliance end and on the just like building end. Like, you know, DeFi is in a gray area and like we fight to stay compliant uh, while managing De DeFi and it's not easy. Um, and, you know, we just need to push back. And, you know, one thing that regulators will always do is they will first over-regulate and then pull back. So they'll identify a problem, they'll do some cursory research, they'll over-regulate, and then it'll get pushed back. Um, and that's what we need to do right now. We need to make sure the pushback is aggressive and sensible. Um, you know, nobody wants people laundering money. Um, I think we can all agree that laundering money and stealing money sucks, but, you know, Tornado Cash is an awesome piece of tech with a lot of really interesting uses, especially in governments like, you know, Russia, China, et cetera. So um, let's just support them uh, in a sensible way. Um, and, you know, let's throw money behind whoever is fighting this thing. So here's one one little twist we have coming up in AE. You're officially our mascot for the show, right Who there. You're, you're our guy for the show, man. Love you, buddy. So much, so much history. I don't know how long you've been around, but we have reasons. Anyhow, uh, so what I want to say is, so we've got this, you know, urge to merge happening over on Ethereum, and with what's going on with OFAC and and the Department of Treasury, and what feels like an overreach. And now what you're doing is you're taking a very strong decentralized proof of work network, right? That I could, if if difficulty went down sufficiently, I could fire up this GPU here in my office and and produce blocks for, uh, is now going to uh, a place where it, it's still going to have decentralized processing power, but they're going to be like a lot of the staked ETH is on a, a certain few entities, right? So if they went to Coinbase, or Lido or one of those guys and said, hey, we need you to not, you know, validate these particular blocks. Like there's there's some very real fears uh, that that overreach could continue and that Ethereum is kind of setting them up to be able to do that. Do you guys have a feeling on that? ETH is at risk right now, dude. A hundred percent. What That's that it. means exactly. <laughs> You know, uh, like you said, 60 some percent, a, a majority of the validators are probably going to comply with OFAC sanctions and tra and, and censor transactions at like the validator level. Um, exactly what like that, that could cause major, major dysfunction, especially if they're censoring transactions two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight plus steps from the uh, original tornado cash wallet and a lot of times the tornado cash wallet might not even be a criminal um and it, it's kind of like it's very un-american it's like guilty until proven innocent um it's like weird that this is the legislation that comes out and and the thing is like north korea is going to find a way no matter what 
um you know couldn't you just fork tornado cash and like spin up whatever you want yeah well, but it needs yeah. liquidity otherwise it's yeah, easy it needs liquidity. Yeah, and true. you're just sending it, it in and send yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. sure, if the liquidity isn't deep basically all you do is you track inputs and outputs and you can tell within a reasonable margin of certainty uh where the money came from um and you know when you it, say it, North Koreans, can you can you explain that? You talking about like the hackers there? I, I well, yeah, that was their yeah, excuse. Lazarus, they were... Dude, Lazarus from North Korea is the most prolific black hat group probably in the world, um, and they like a lot of these DeFi exploits. It's our our North Korea. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, <laughs> it's just it's just reality. Like there, it's this is literally like sanctioning Tornado Cash is like like putting an embargo on North Korea. Like you can't launder it's, stolen money anymore because it's so freaking easy to steal. Yeah, I mean that's that is what that's where it all came out of in uh when Blender got sanctioned also was because of the um Korean hack on Axie or something like that. I um, I just it was it was that's like all of these the way that the sanctions work are based on executive orders that are specifically I'm sorry, executive orders that are about um, like not funding these kind of like hacker groups terrorists. and terrorists. And Same reason like they got that. the Patriot Act pushed through. We're going to read all yeah. your text messages because of terrorism, right? right. And, and we're just going to slowly close it in. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Now, another thing. So I read a comment from Brian Armstrong on, on Twitter, who's, you know, the founder, CEO of Coinbase. And what he was asked was if, you know, Coinbase being one of the top stakers, uh, if you were if you were asked to censor blocks, would you either a censor them or b shut down staking altogether? And his his answer was b. We would we would want to shut down staking altogether. To which it sounds idealistic and great in theory, and in practice would put them on a major shit list. And so the fact that we're we're even having to to mention that that this level of unfortunate centralization is about to happen and i mean i say it but like that's a publicly traded united states company uh you know well so there's a lot of risk thought thought experiment what if they're censoring transactions right now oh shit man come on come on (laughs) somebody give me some mushrooms so i can talk to double sharp and understand (laughs) what he's saying so, so like, if, if, like That's the, why I'm not he was asked if they if they would do it if they were told to, but what the, the other side of that is that they could just do it at any time, mm-hmm. it, like whether they're requested to or not. So if censorship and censorship of transactions is an issue, like you can do that on a lot of chains. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like compliance is really hard, uh, and you need to kind of toe the line between pissing people off and making sure your users are well taken care of. Um, and the bigger you are, the more pressure you're going to get, um, and the more at risk if you don't comply. Um, so it, it just, you know, it really, really sucks. Uh, and we're fighting, and we have some breathing room right now. Um, but you know, if, if you are on Ethereum and you are a top, you know, 20, top 50 protocol, um, the pressure is massive, absolutely massive to comply. And in a lot of cases, it's either comply or none of your employees have jobs. Um, your business fails, everything you've worked for, for years and years, it goes out the window. Um, and, and that's an, as a builder to me, 
no offense, you know, that's an easy choice. Um, and, and I'm glad I don't have to make it right now. And I'm going to do what I can to support the people that, that do. Um, and that's the long and short of it. Like roasting them on Twitter or whatever the fuck, like that's so lazy. Uh, and, and it, it belies such a misunderstanding of like, what it means to run a business and what it means to be a responsible person. Um, and I know OFAC sucks. It's stupid and I hate it, but we need to be supporting these protocols that are being pressured to comply maybe. And, and if they're over complying, um, they're just saving us, you know, like they're saving phantom, they're saving all the alt chains, they're saving all the tier two protocols on ETH. So over comply, you know, suck the balls, whatever. It doesn't matter. At the oh, end of the day, oh like Lord. they're protecting us. It's like that one meme with the like marine guy standing in front of the blast, and then it's like all the users who are bitching about it on oh, Twitter under him. Yeah, uh, in the background. But um, um, speaking of compliance and pissing users off, or you know, choosing to get run over, it kind of segues to what's happening in Canada. I don't know if that's the next topic or the one after. It's the next topic, man. And, you know, after we witnessed what happened with the truckers uh, and the way Trudeau just like, just, yeah, just, I mean, it was a really fucked up overreach of authority uh, and any narrative leading up to this point that, you know, Ottawa was chiefly concerned with Canadians freedoms uh, pretty much was removed. And so this crypto, uh, I suppose it's regulation. It's more like, here's what you can and cannot do mass overreach. I mean, they say that you can buy, all right. So you can buy all the Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and apparently Bitcoin cash. I don't even understand. Don't know why they didn't put BSV on there uh, that you want. And anything other than that, you can spend up to 30. So they, they figured you're, you as a Canadian citizen, your gambling budget is $30,000 a year. That's basically what they give you to yeah. gamble with. It's like getting an allowance. So, I mean, what, how is this affecting you 24? This is crazy. Wait, this directly, this directly affects me. So this is, uh, in Ontario, and to keep in mind, just for perspective, for anyone who's not in Canada, Ontario is like about 40% of Canada's total population. And this has been kind of coming for a while. We had Binance banned here, um, so you can't use Binance in Ontario and a lot of other uh, exchanges. So you're kind of feeling this pressure uh, eventually. But, yeah, like you said, uh, only $30,000 except for those uh, specific cryptos. Uh, like like Justin said, this is this is our exchanges here in Canada, at least bending over backwards to make sure that at least people can still trade. Maybe it is a little bit too too much of an overreach, but like like literally exactly like Bebas said, it's just to protect the users. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you know we can't really do here in Canada in terms of crypto, but it, it's it is convenient. But damn, like Litecoin is it's one of the uh, un, well, untapped ones. Notice the commonality in all of them, aside from yeah. being premier. They're all proof of work. Yep. Every one of those networks is a proof of work, actually somewhat decentralized network. Now, I don't know if that played into it, but I find that to be pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, I think every, everything that they don't label is security, right? I mean, that's yeah. sort of how I take this. Yeah. Like, you can trade... I, up to thirty thousand in securities, like a year. So, like, if you buy twenty grand worth of Phantom, you got ten thousand dollars left to spend, like for the year. <laughs> That's insane. Time uh, to move. Twenty-four. Miami's I calling think, you, buddy. Um, 
I think it's like an, an age thing and a liquidity thing and a not a security thing. Well, maybe a not a security thing is the biggest part because those are like objectively digital currencies. So there's security, there's digital currency. If you're a digital currency, you're in a really favorable uh, compliance zone. If you're a security, then buy your fucked. Um, and a lot of the, like, you know, for Oath and for a lot of the altcoins and things like that, like we we try really hard in order to stay compliant to be viewed as a digital currency as opposed to a security. But um, really, like all of all of DeFi, all of ETH, all of whatever is is in kind of a gray area. Um, but I don't know what the point of it is. Uh, maybe people got too wrecked um, and they looked at like, you know, lawsuits or whatever and are like, oh, we need to protect these people. But it is a little ridiculous. So are there are there any groups that are actively fighting against this? Because this is I mean, it's such horseshit. Nobody could look at this and go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Unless like who are right, So who? Who stands to gain from this? I think that's really the question we need to be asking is who gains from this limitation that's put on? And I'm not even talking about crypto. I'm talking about, you know, your traditional finance guys. Yeah, that's that's who gains. The traditional <clears throat> monetary system, the banks, like the, you know, the, whoever the Fed is in Canada. Or short crypto. Uh, the Bank of Canada, I guess. Um, that's got to be who gains. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure people did. I mean, everyone worldwide got wrecked in the last you know, six months, or if, unless you cashed out like a smart person, which wasn't me. But uh, you know, there's there's lots of people that got wrecked, and, and but still, like you know, do we need uh, federal oversight from the government to say, hey, we need like we need to protect you against yourself in this kind of capacity? Absolutely not. Well, there's an interesting dynamic at play here, and I want to share with you what that is. Now, traditionally, oh God, I want to say this in a way that doesn't sound bad. Traditionally, your more liberal voters are not your more wealthy voters. And that $30,000 number probably overshoots what meant what the amount of votes needed to reelect a liberal government. That $30,000 is probably over the threshold of what they give a shit about. Uh, And so in that risk versus reward scenario, uh, that probably is on the table, too. Right. Because they have to look at this going, fuck, man, this looks ugly, <laughs> you know, yeah. for anyone that actually has that kind of money. Yeah. 30,000 is it's 30,000 cat. So it's it doesn't feel good, man. It doesn't feel good. And and I like to I like to use centralized exchanges like sometimes when I'm I'm bridging between networks. So I'm going to I'm going to have to stop that because that'll count as a. <laughs> me buying an altcoin with an altcoin. Anyways, it's awful. It's not good. It's not something that I, I, I'm happy with. But there's there's workarounds. I think someone said VPN in the comments. I don't recommend that. But if you know if you're going to, you could. Um, but yeah, North Korean VPN. The, the, the one thing I didn't. <laughs> Twenty four. I didn't. I didn't like have time or and I I didn't read the fine print of this thing. I haven't seen the actual like legislation and the bill. Like, does it say anything about if you have X in the market, then you can continue to to trade that as like as you want? See, or that's where that? it was a little gray. Yeah. It's not clear. Right. It's it's I I went on my exchange. It's not enacted yet, um, but I guess when it kicks in, it just the timer starts from there. And this now, is a preemptive thing, by the way. It's from the exchanges doing this, and it's doing it in different provinces as well. So yeah, go ahead, Austin. But the 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 tokens that you already hold, though. Now this sounds like oh yeah, Beavis, you're getting all sexy uh, on the breathing there. This sounds like it's new money in though. Yeah, that's what it seems. Fiat to crypto. Yeah. 
out of your bank into cryptocurrency. If you already have a portfolio that's far in excess of that, you're not, are you are you still held within that limit? See, that's why I was worrying about. It. I just I don't even want to try it. I'm just, and if and if you do like. Uh, if you do more than ten thousand dollars in sort of a transaction here in twenty four hours, it gets reported to our our financial. Same thing here. So, yeah. Same so then, here. I don't usually even do that much, anyways. But so yeah, it does say that. Um, I was just looking at the the regulation. It says that if you, and again, I guess with the disclaimer that I'm not an attorney, much less a Canadian. Wait, <laughs> um, dude, you're not you sell it, you get. Like you get your, you can only like have 30,000 out at a time. Cause if you sell some of it, it like goes back and you get some credit back or something. Um, if it's, if it's on, if it's not, there's the four unrestricted ones and then restricted ones, uh, you use some of your limits selling restricted cryptocurrencies will add space back to your limit up to a maximum of $30,000. So Very they're giving weird. you like a, a an Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't understand that at all. That's I like some, really some like middle of the curve shit. That's like is it I mean, possible? I, can't, okay, I okay, so what what it does is it means that you can only lose thirty thousand dollars. Well, it does mean that, but let, let me let me throw something out there. Now we all know Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash are not gonna hundred X. Those are not your hundred X opportunities, right? They're not. The large transfer of wealth is happening a little bit further down in the crypto sphere. Uh, you know, that's where you're going to find the massive movement. Do you think there's there's also at the same time a prevention of people hitting those rare big money opportunities? I could be wrong. It's just my own conspiracy. If Juan was here, he'd probably say, "Fuck yeah, they are." That's well, exactly what they're doing. I mean, just just to take the other side though, if you put thirty thousand dollars into whatever coin and it one hundred x is like you're good. <laughs> So you better yeah. get your, you better get your best right. <laughs> like, uh, Pick your winners. <laughs> I mean, it does like three thousand dollars. Not, not saying that I agree with any of this or or disagree, but it. I mean, if you're taking the the security commission side of things, they're saying that they don't want people losing more than thirty thousand dollars. So you can buy thirty thousand dollars worth of stuff, and it goes to zero. You can't replenish your balance to buy more. If you buy thirty thousand dollars worth and it goes to sixty thousand dollars, you can sell some of it, get your thirty thousand credit back, and still have thirty thousand. And well, see, oh, if we I'm had just, this rule in the United States, no losers, then hey, like no losers. This Gabba wouldn't have been able to even steal so much from the Velodrome wallet. He would have just stuck I'm, to his thirty. Yeah, no big deal. I'm just not able to steal it. Yeah, I'm not okay with. Being told how I can live in a box in Santa Monica Beach. Like if I want to lose everything I've got, that's my choice. Like you can't, you shouldn't be able to control how that, how or how that does not happen. Bro, uh, go to I, Mexico. I think it's Mexico. I'm just still saying. Free. I think they're it's just they're just poor. That's all. It's well, just massive over, overreaching oversight of like micromanaging people's lives, and I don't, I don't agree with it personally. I, again, though, this isn't. It's not any different than how a lot of traditional investment rules go with needing to be accredited. I mean, there's right. a lot of investment opportunities where you Which, have to make a bunch of money to be able to, or like already have a net worth. And you could look at that and say that it's to prevent <laughs> people without money from being able to invest in things that then increase their net worth. Or the opposite side of that is that 
you know, maybe these people don't have a lot of money because they're not good at investing and therefore you want to protect them from themselves. I don't necessarily think that either of those things are true all the time. So it's all right. It, and so you know. before Clay says something that gets him, gets him, gets the Gestapo knocking at his door, let's move on to the next topic. Hey, by the way, I forgot to mention uh, the very first guest interview that we'll be doing on the new channel will be the velodrome team to dig into the GABA situation, the everything from, from IT Dow, V, v Dow, Ox Dow, all the Dows, all that shit. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I got to piss. Y'all keep going. I'll right. I, okay, I was, I was trying so, to be really sympathetic to GABA Ghoul, but that picture, like, it's like <laughs> ultimate own. It's hard to be sympathetic now. Ever uh, since you you put that up, twenty four, you're doing you're doing some evil work right now. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's hard to make excuses for for that kind of behavior, but I hear you. Uh, so on the continued onslaught of crypto and into the final, I'd say negative topic of the day, we're going to breeze through this one. Uh, and I think Nick talked about it on his podcast with Juan. I haven't listened to it, but I think it was in there. Uh, but Mailchimp's attack on crypto newsletters, Masari Edge. There was a bunch of other ones. Uh, basically not allowing them to send out their, their, you know, the weekly, daily, whatever it is, newsletter they have to their audience of which they've created, uploaded, and then, you know, put onto MailChimp. So further censorship of crypto companies, to me, it's, it's uh, just kind of falls right in line with everything we've just said, which is tornado cash assault, Canadian regulation on max amount you can spend as a retail investor. Uh, and then things like this. So I don't know if you guys have well, other different thoughts. I don't think it's the same at all, actually, because MailChimp is a company that can choose to do whatever they want, whereas the other is a, a government regulation saying that you can't do something. So, I mean, in the interest of like, you know, free capitalism or whatever, MailChimp, yeah. like maybe they decided that sending out crypto newsletters result, like there were a lot of people sending out scams. Lots of it was getting flagged as spam, which was, making it hard for them to deliver mail. Therefore, they don't want to serve them. Or maybe they just decided they hated crypto or whatever. I don't necessarily, like, it does suck that they they don't want to do it. But I, I think the difference is that as a private company, they can decide that this wasn't what they wanted to do with their business versus it being dictated that they have to do this. Like if, if there were governments saying they can't send these newsletters out, I think that would be a lot more problematic than MailChimp deciding sure. that for whatever reason, they just, they don't want to do it. Even though it's my, and, and just to clarify, like when I said the same thing, I just meant the the onslaught of rate, like either you know decision making against crypto or regulation against crypto. It's, it all falls in a bucket, and I think it's all driven by things like the tornado cash situation, where they're like, as a private company, I don't want to be close to that. I don't want to be considered any like even if tornado cash is mentioned in a newsletter, I don't want that coming out of my server. And so, to your point. Uh, Double sharp. I, I agree. When, they are private. And also, Fubear, it's not because um, crypto is not a protected class. And, uh, Definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bakers need to bake cakes for Fubear. Um, but <laughs> honestly, like Fubear is beloved. Um, I think crypto users are not. Uh, really, to me, um, it's a matter of I'm MailChimp, like, CFO looking at the books, I see this amount of money spent trying to filter out crypto related spam. Mm -hmm. And I see this amount of revenue from crypto companies. And I'm like, okay, 
fuck all crypto. Because if you want to let like if you ban everything, it's easy to just say, okay, ban any mention of BTC, any mention of ETH, any mention of crypto, any mention of this, that, the other, any mention of everything. And suddenly your job becomes a hundred times easier, cheaper, etc. Um, and it's not like, you know, who's fighting for crypto? It's like finance. Like who's like, oh, yeah. we, we need to, you know, we need to stand by the, the underprivileged rich guys that are trying to sell us shit coins. Um, you know, that's, I, I think well, and that's it's not like, well. it's not like they took their, their email list. They were like, Hey, you can't mail through us any longer, export your list and go somewhere else. And there's 10,000 mm -hmm. other places for them to go. Yeah. They could get their own AWS server and run it through there. They could do, they could go to um, send grid. Any, they probably any just think crypto sucks. They probably <laughs> think it's sure. <laughs> I think it what is, think, it is like it is a like a, a progression of of more regulation and more rules. And I think with a lot of industries, when you see this happen, there's the reason people are generally like in like your gut reaction is against regulation is because a lot of it doesn't. You know, there's a lot of bad regulations that end up getting written and and bad rules. But I think you're just seeing a lot of stuff where companies are like, you know what, like like Justin was saying, like I just don't want to deal with this. Um, and it, for a lot of them, I think it does just come down to like how much money they're making or how much of a hassle it mm -hmm. is or whatever. It would be a lot more problematic if there were like regulations about you can only send this many, or, you know, from the government about how many newsletters you can send or whatever. Um, but I think in this case, it's just MailChimp making some business decision based on their their books, probably. Yo, Clay, you look like intent. What do you intend? They didn't keep he's anyone's newsletter list. I'm telling you, they didn't take anyone's newsletter. I, I was, they no so was I, fucking was I, way on earth they did that shit. They they made it difficult. Uh, they made you have to go set up your autoresponder somewhere else again, and then a whole new list yeah. you got to join. You got to replug a new uh, API link in. They ain't taking people's yeah. email list or yeah, shit's gonna go down. Hundred thousand subs. I'm sorry, hundred thousand. But that's a you know that's a big that's a big blow and that's a huge undertaking to get it reset up. It's I mean it's a massive pain in the ass, but um, huge pain. Yeah. But well, they ain't taking now, people's email list. That's property. At least now people yep. can support like better services. Because they they also I, I just read uh, leaked a bunch of emails for DigitalOcean, so they they don't seem too good in terms of security. But yeah, you guys were right. They said uh, a higher than average abuse complaint in terms of like cryptocurrencies, virtual currencies, and ICOs. So that's what they said. It's probably resources to how much they make, sort of balancing act here. But you know, just support so something better. At, at the recommendation of, of Dracon, I'm reading the last testament of Lucky Luciano, and we need to Ooh. go start the. Uh, it's actually it's fantastic, uh, but we need to start the union for crypto, Beavis. We got to. I don't. I don't know if we want to start it, but we need one in the United States and worldwide. There's a blockchain association. To, uh, is there? Okay. That's Absolutely, good. they do tons of lobbying up in Washington. You can follow them on Twitter. And, I don't know how effective they are, but I, I know that your big boys are a part of it, like Coinbase, and you know. Probably Gemini Crack and all those guys. Yeah, the Detroit right. Alliance down in uh, Chicago. They're uh, they're a pretty big one. Ooh, okay. Let's keep going. Hey, uh, <laughs> so PaintSwap goes big with its new stats UI. Give me some granular data here, uh, Double Sharp, if you could, as to what is. So they're they're trying to make like a good marketplace can kind of make or break an NFT scene, if I'm not mistaken, like if you don't have a way of really getting into the data, like, you know, what the hell's going on? Yeah, I think 
I mean, that's something that has been an issue on, on Phantom for a long time. There's some, some um, marketplaces had like a little bit of data, but compared to Ethereum where they have rarity tools and all these, um, you know, sites for really digging into like where the, the floor prices and, you know, finding good deals on things or whatever. Um, this is, I think, a really comprehensive, uh, you know, analytics, you know, graphs and charts and all that sort of stuff, uh, data tables with all the sort of details that that uh, people who are interested in, in buying NFTs are looking for. So you can, you know, see a collection's floor price going up or down and like what sort of sales volume it has and um, how many holders and all sorts of stuff. So it's, uh, you know, another another thing on the list of um, updates that, that PaintSwap has been made in, making. I think I mentioned, I probably mentioned this before, but I've, I've wanted to see this kind of stuff for a long time, even though, you know, I don't trade NFTs heavily or anything, but I just always like seeing data and charts and kind of being able to dig in. I think they look cool. I, I like the design they went with on this too. And yeah, it's light and fast, like everything else they have. Like you can see the number of holders, the sales per day, the floor price of that day, the volume of the sale. Like you can pretty much go in and, and use this as the floor number changes to figure out a good time to buy is my assumption that you could actually like use yeah. this data over the last 30 days to I mean, figure I, out, this, hey, I can scalp something for cheap. I think it's sort of, I mean, I feel the same way about this as I do with a lot of, uh, you know, token trading, which is that I, I'm not really an expert on how to find a, an NFT that's going to moon or whatever, but it's, I, it, you know, it, it's just interesting to be able to like really dig in and see, um, it lets you sort of track over time, like what the interest is in a collection from, you know, how much people value it to how much activity there is, um, see how frequently it's, it's uh, bought and sold all sorts of stuff that, that tell you more, um, more, more of the like data behind a project so that you can decide if it's something that you do want to buy. I like, I still kind of slot in on the, uh, you know, art side of things. I'm not really trying to flip NFTs for profit per se. Um, but I, I, there are definitely people who do that. And these kind of tools are super useful for that. Um, I just, I also just think it's kind of cool to be able to see the history of some of these projects because it does reflect some of the community around them and just what's going on. But yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's also, I mean, I know, I don't know if it's on the site now or not. So maybe I'm, maybe this is a secret, but there's also, they're adding a lot of stuff, um, a lot more analytics data to track sales. And so on profile pages, there'll be um, stats about, uh, you know, your, your global stats and collection stats and things like that. There's going to be more um, specifics about like your interactions with the marketplace and stuff like that. I mean, I, I like it for two reasons. One, if you want to, if you want to come on and say, cause magic cats, since the staking went live on spooky swap have the floors gone up to like, you know, 1.1 thousand phantom. It was a hell of a lot lower. I think 500 prior to that. But if you want to come on and see the last aggregated data of 30 days of what was it, what is a good scalp price for like, I don't flip NFTs, but like what's the lowest price we could see on here. So the floor was 800 on the 20th. It's been steadily rising, but like you can at least make assumptions on how to potentially find what is a cheap magic cat these days, I guess, off of this historical data. Um, I also like the fact that you can actually see paint swaps sales uh, in aggregate. Cause if you are a brush holder, you probably like to do like to know how they're doing as a, as a, you know, a platform as a marketplace. And now you can come in here and look back against historicals to see how growth is going 
over time, which is a, a massive level of transparency that we didn't previously have. So I think it's pretty cool. Nice. And I love about the paint swap guys. They figured out what they were good at and they said, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to waste time on the rest of this shit. Let's just go do the home run that we yeah, know we're speed kicking ass is, on. The speed is what I, I, this shit loads and I just like get tingles in, in the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Some more, uh, more secret information. There's, there's like more improvements to the speed coming soon. So it should be fast. Oh, when I first started doing like NFTs, like I would just like buy a fuck ton. I, I was like, okay, you know, I, I don't do it for profit. I do it because I'm addicted to gotcha games. Uh, but, um, you know, so I have like hundreds of NFTs I minted. Um, and like on paint swap a year ago, or maybe six months to a year ago, I would try to load my page and it would literally be insufferable i would be waiting i'd be like crying you know the world would be changing in the background and you know history will pass aeons will fall whatever uh and now it's just like i go on there and it's a normal website which is uh it's like it's like when you have like a really bad wound and it's like really bothering you and it's really painful and then like one day it's just better and you look at it and you think about how you're not in pain all the time anymore. And you're like, ah, oh, wow. That's what it's like. The, the only thing I can, like, I actually went on NF key and I went on open C and I went on a few others to, to see what you're like the speed actually compared. And I certainly don't have any metrics behind it, but I will say it was faster than all the rest. Like it was instantaneous. Beast. So big, big props to paint swap for what they've done. I, I, I very much hope that they uh, grow and succeed. Those yeah, guys I are think legends, all, man. It all, it all. I, I like how it's all sort of coming together too. So you, you now have all the analytics to like dig into collections, figure out that you want to, you know, sweep the floor or whatever, and then they have a the sweep the floor of. I think that the I want to just get the five lowest in this collection because it's been going up, or you know, whatever your strategy is, you can yeah. look at all the data, and then now you have all these shopping carts and and uh, batch actions. And stuff I, like I want to see them go cross-chain. Bingo, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, are they looking at these like new chains without huge NFT markets yet that they can just go boom, boom, boom and deploy on? I mean, it would be... I don't know. Um, I've, I'm in their Discord, though, and when people ask, they post things like pictures of eyeballs. So, you know. Oh. When cross-chain, W-E-N. <laughs> I wonder where they're going first is my... Ooh, question you should ask them all right you know you know who else are some legends around here that just do not get enough love is the tomb heads crew now i will be the first to tell you i'm not a huge nft guy like i've never really gotten into the jpegs it just really wasn't my thing uh mainly because i just couldn't really distinguish who's who in the zoo uh when it came to that sort of shit but they did the the phantom underground nft awards the other day and these guys are consistently bringing a massive community of people together and getting them excited about art about artists about all sorts of shit within the nft uh space on phantom and that's another group that i think has so much tremendous value that if they went and talked to other chains they would probably find very open I think, doors i think they are doing i mean maybe i'm mistaken but i know that some of them are doing stuff on on other chains as well. Uh, yeah, Limit Break and like Zepta and, and the SE Art Collective, they did a mint on Ethereum recently. Um, and I know a lot of them dabble in Avalanche. Um, 
So they're they're spreading their wings slowly but surely. I think it's like a tech slash organization problem, um, which uh, hopefully they'll have some tools to solve here in the next uh, you know just, handful of months. Just want to make one quick quick clarification. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. It is on uh, the second of October, and voting closes on the fourth of September. So you can ah. go to the website and pull up. And I don't know if you, I don't know. I'd probably connect your wallet to phantomunderground.com. And you can see all the different artists and vote on all the different categories. And the, the actual event, I believe, is October 2nd. I don't know if it's in person or what's going on, but that is the deets. Their, their anniversary is coming up, I think, is the, uh, the big exciting thing. Um, I, 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 did, I don't want to say this in case I fail epically, but um, <laughs> I committed to making uh, an artwork for their anniversary auction. Um, and it, it's tomb heads themed. So I was at like a Serbian graveyard uh, over the weekend on Sunday and spent like three hours taking photographs. Uh, to, Is this serious? Like, <laughs> to, to compose into an art piece. Okay. Um, so that was, that's why you were there. I was just curious. Like why, you know, that makes sense. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, double sharp. You're nominated for uh, innovator community dev. I literally just yeah, voted for you just now. Thank you. There were a couple of things that some of my projects were, were nominated for. What, it cost you money? Mace Papa. So. <laughs> 0.003 fans of you. God. He's yeah. <laughs> uh, 29,000, like, 99.60 left, yeah. Dude, this Sorry, 24. So if we could uh, if we could shift a little bit, big shout out to the Tomb Heads guys, man. Much love to y'all. Y'all have done just such amazing work and you don't get enough recognition. So we just want to give you that. Uh, Liquid Driver. So we got Shadow Farms. We got Master Gauges. We got all sorts of crazy shit going on that is really unique to Liquid Driver alone. Who can break this down for me? Clay, do you have the, yeah, you have the have information the, in front of you? I got, I got the graphics. Uh, that I will Ooh, show you. Delicious. Now, let me see if I can find it. There it is. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, so this is, to me, this is pretty massive innovation in terms of, like, particularly for those who stake for two years and then have, have like, multiple types of... Can you zoom in? Of, oh, shit. Sure. Sorry. It's I don't know. Like, how do I, I, don't how do, know. I how do I do that? I have I, uh, Control Plus. Oh, I don't know. Mm. You're on a weird Mac. Yeah, I'm on a Mac. <laughs> I don't know how to zoom on a Mac. Macs. Dude, Macs are so nice now. I'm so I'm jealous sure of everybody who bought an M2 Macintosh or even an M1 <laughs> Macintosh. Well, either way, uh, whatever. Do you have so, a Do you have a Mac Double Sharp? Yeah, but I have the one right before the M1, so I got the oh, like. Okay, who cares? Over <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. All right. Clay, if, if someone can tell me how to zoom, I will. I'll do it on my little mouse pad and whatever. But can you uh, nevertheless? Can't you do it like on an iPhone? Or control scroll, shift scroll. Trying. Yeah. Uh, anywho, well, so there's our eyes and go really close to the screen. <laughs> so basically, people that are ex-liquid driver holders can vote to determine liquid driver emissions allocated to a master gauge. But the gauge doesn't mean that it's directing emissions to LP and liquidity pairs necessarily as farms on liquid driver can actually be uh, directed to uh, exchanges themselves. So so. Liquid driver emissions allocated to Beethoven, to Spooky Swap, to Spirit Swap. Um, so now there is uh, additional ways that these exchanges can actually direct liquidity without having to emit their own token. And you could probably do that by buying Liquid Driver and staking it if you're Beethoven, or you could go and bribe 
the liquid driver, ex-liquid driver community. So it opens up a whole new world of bribing. It opens a whole new world of these actual DEXs saying, hey, we really want to direct LQDR emissions to us. So we're going to buy a shit ton of liquid driver ourselves and lock it up. So uh, I haven't seen anything like this from anybody else in terms of a master gauge um, where you can then sort of go a layer deeper of layer two voting gauges and say this LP within this DEX is going to get this percentage of the allocation or emissions mm-hmm. allocation. So pretty, pretty damn cool stuff. Now, to clarify, are, are we talking about LQDR token emissions or we're talking about yes. like like yeah. beats? Or, so no, no, no. There are no LQDR token emissions with the exception of the expo pool over on like spooky swaps, for example. So are we talking about like dual farming emissions or can, can you clarify that? Do you know? Uh, it's, it says LQDR emissions allocated to Beethoven X. So, okay. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So as far as shadow farms are concerned though, do you have that graph handy? Cause they're doing some interesting stuff there. Uh, with the like, take spirit for example. You you farm on a spirit pool, and it's automatically putting that into Lin Spirit, and then auto compounding your Lin Spirit and the Lin Spirit compounder. Like this whole bunch of shit that's going on. Uh, but what it yeah. ends up doing is it does increase your APR. Number on screen go up is what it looks like. So I don't have the graphic. I can probably find it. Um, but that's all good. But so interestingly, like another, so there's, there's a shit ton of innovation that's going on, but another piece of it, oh, didn't mean to do that. Uh, another piece of it is, um, is this awesome, uh, like, like this is stuff you only see on Ethereum. Like this is convex style stuff right here. So the ma- yep. master gauge bribe dashboard, like, mm. you know, I, I have CBX, <laughs> I, I participate in the convex <laughs> curve wars. And, uh, and so this is like really, really uh, high end, you know, fantastic next level stuff where you can come in and actually see who's bribing what, what you're going to get in return, your weighted vote, your reward. Um, and this is, I mean, this is as good as convex does it. So I'd like, you have to give a lot of credit to the liquid driver team for putting this together and fuck, there's gotta be a way to zoom. What, are they what page is that that you're on there? Uh, I don't know, man. I just find things. Well, you know how. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, bro? Oh, yeah. The new UI is beautiful. So I, I, I'll have a. I'm gonna try and have a call with uh, Doctor Liquid here in the next week or so and get the rundown on how all this works. But needless to say, man, they've put together a really, really nice, uh, a really, really nice product that I think is unique enough to scale on different chains. Uh, and I think that's going to be real important for the liquid driver team moving forward is that, you know, if to, to get outside of just the phantom ecosystem to be able to generate returns and, you know, with the amount of in spirit that those guys hold and with 25% of spirit emissions now being diverted to the in spirit, uh, holders. I mean, I think when that gets re-diverted back to, you know, however the hell they're doing it, there's going to be a lot of money flowing through liquid driver. It's going to be a hell of a good place to LP. Well, I mean, and so when you were when you were on sabbatical, uh, they, they did a uh, an AMA with Nick and the Liquid Driver team, and, and Nick basically said just flat out, if you're staking on Liquid Driver for Spirit Swap, Liquid Driver is the place to do it. And mm-hmm. that's because of of the you know, the fees they're going to generate for the amount of Spirit they have staked is in Spirit, uh, and the amount of gauge control they have, I think 36 percent, 34 percent. It's a lot uh, that are then being. Yeah, it's a lot. So the, the one thing I will say that's pretty interesting about these master gauge thing is like this thing is cross chain. So, you know, so if people want to vote, like, for instance, if 
Um, if uh, ex-liquid driver holders want to vote to incentivize uh, a pool on optimism for Beethoven, you can actually send this liquid driver now cross chain um, and, and put liquidity onto separate chains uh, as part of this master gauge system. Ooh. So it's a way to actually you know, incentivize liquidity on other chains for the DEXs that integrate with them. I think that'll be huge as they, they also go cross chain. Obviously, you have to have it. So pretty, pretty exciting, interesting stuff. What I love about Liquid Driver is like it harkens back to like DeFi summer type apps, except like the underlying stuff that's going on is complex enough that it has like real financial weight. Um, and it's like really worthwhile. You know, it, it's still kind of like a confluence of, um, you know, shitcoin farming, but it, it's gotten like to a degree where it like, like makes sense. And like, I've been <laughs> joining their deck talks. Um, I mean, and uh, you know, it, dude, if anyone wants to OTC me cheap liquid driver, uh, let me know. Uh, I'm not sure I can think of a better, I'm not sure I can think of a better token lock scenario than X Liquid Driver in this ecosystem. It's been amazing. Their shit, yeah. their like, shit is like, cool. Their shit is like, cool. But it actually, like wanna... getting paid, like a basket of, you know, <laughs> call them shit coins or phantom blue chips, whatever you want to, whatever title you want to put on them. But a blue a basket of <laughs> blue shits, a basket <laughs> of phantom uh, tokens, seven different tokens that they pay out in APR uh, as part of X Liquid Driver locking. But now you can get. Also, bribes that are coming off of ex-liquid driver. So it's going to be a dual incentive rewarded thing. And I can't think of many places that pay you APR per day for locking tokens for two years, plus give you a bribe. Uh, I guess Convex is the closest thing that I can think of. And what's going to happen, I think, is, you know, not only is it, it increasing APR over time, but it should be decreasing the amount of emissions that that the LQDR token has on the market. That was a big part of putting this out to Dr. Liquid. I got to remember to call him Dr. Liquid uh, to Dr. Liquid uh, when he was wanting to do all of this. So it should, at the end of the day, come back and be real positive for LQDR holders. But again, nothing's Liquid. moving. What's that? Dude's name is Dr. Liquid. How could you not trust such a man? <laughs> He's a doctor. He's a doctor of liquid. He's a doctor. Yo, Dude, just so. <laughs> uh, whatever. All right. So let's talk Sorry. about. Who, who's got the deus information so like i saw a post this morning day pegged to a dollar and i went and looked on uh deck screen everybody like, rushed to buy it it went up yeah. like 50 percent. wait a damn minute it's 25 yeah. cents oh it's a new contract so all right so but i i think there's a plan here and i think there's a plan that's probably going to execute and i want to give a shout out to lafayette because one thing that i noticed when i was reading through I don't know if it was the site or a tweet or what it was, but there will be some excess income generated that's going to be diverted to paying back the Scream loan. And that was the first time I had seen it actually like mentioned in that way. Uh, so that's really important because there's a hell of a lot of people that are waiting for that loan to get paid back so they can unlock their funds on Scream. So uh, Double, what do you got for me, buddy? Um, I, I think you you might have seen the Medium post, which I read and... I unfortunately can't give a ton of details because it. when I, I read through it this morning, um, there's a lot of details going back the last few months that I'm not super familiar with, but it does seem like there's a new token um, bond model with a lot of mechanics behind it that, that are designed to keep it at peg. Um, like you said, I think it seems like there's a plan to pay back the debt on 
uh, the bad debt on Scream and and uh, you know the awesome. it was associated with the old token. Unfortunately, I don't have a ton of details on on like how it's going to work exactly though. I think a lot of this has to do. I mean, a lot of it hinges on their V3 being something that's desirable and the day stablecoin being usable or something people want to use because if they need day and they don't think, okay, I'll, I'll go buy it on the open market, you can convert your USDC over to day at one to one minus 0.1%. But day is going to be a fractional reserve currency at like 90% over time, which signals to me if I convert 10 USDC into 10 day, you know, one of those USDC is going to a treasury somewhere, right? right? Okay, so that's what that sounds like to me. That's All what right. it seems like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that 1% is used to, to, for the scream debt, the burning, uh, buying and burning of legacy day, which, by the way, is still at 25 cents, as you mentioned. Um, and and then the, the D-Day backing, which I guess is the, the peg for the new day, which was released today. But there's like a ton of other things that went layers deeper. Remember, I mean, they, they launched the bonding program to try to get day back to peg initially. All those people got VE Deus that had different locking periods of three months, six months, 12 months with different APRs. So there's a ton of, me- like, there's a ton of mechanisms that are floating that I can't even honestly keep track of because I was like, I'm not yeah, going to get wrapped up in that shit. But that lost um, me too. yeah. So, but, you know, so I, I guess like the question is, um, is this a position of where you regain trust or is this something that like, like we're talking about stable coins. I mean, that's, to me, it comes down to, can I trust this with like my, you know, either my fiat that's being converted or the profits I've made or whatever I've left that I've lost. Uh, and, you know, like, I guess the question is like, can, can you trust what's been done up to this point? Well, it can seems to me Lafayette's kind of going through his journey here, uh, right. which, you know, like, like, you know what the hero's journey is like in a book where, you know, you've mm-hmm. got the hero and then he, he goes out and he needs to regain redemption. And then he comes forth as whatever the hero and all that shit. But I mean, it does seem kind of like, you know, he came in guns blazing a couple of events that just sucked uh, like the, the hack and the deity pegging and, and granted, like, I mean, nobody was at fault here, but you know, but the way that he put it together. So it really did fall on him. But through that experience, it sounds like what I'm hoping is that he's coming out the other side, lessons learned with hopefully a greater understanding of what it's going to take to have a successful platform here. And hopefully we do see that that kind of success um, on the other side. And they did partner up with Lossless, which I guess is just uh, right. a, a 100% constant what checking of transactions or contracts or what yeah i think it's smart contract monitoring to if it gets like exploited in any capacity it can be flagged and and fixed shut, shut off turned well, down don't they have a bunch of white hat hackers on yeah. their squad that that will go white hat your shit if if there's any issue? i think it just it monitors for specific transact like things happening that will then like automatically pause the contracts is usually how a lot of it got works. it to like mitigate yeah. losses. Um, and I mean, who knows where, where it ends up going and, you know, long term, but there, it seems like there is like somewhat of a vote of confidence and people seem to be into it because the price of Deus is up some largest number today. I haven't, I haven't really looked, but, you know, there's, there are people who seem to be um, excited about it. And if that, if that persists, then hopefully they're successful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I was uh, about to, uh, 
say like Lafa and crew basically like speed ran the DeFi gauntlet. Is like, it's like he was running and like he was like getting the shit beat out of him by like exploits and you know drama X Y Z the other. And the thing is, he stuck through it and uh, it is still committed, um, which is uh, really massive. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see to to J Task's uh, comment. Um, I'm excited to see him. Uh, maybe narrow things down uh, to a point where he can keep it uh, super simple. Um, but uh, like Frax, I would say the only reason they haven't depegged in this market is because they have one and a half billion dollars plus of liquidity. Um, and, uh, you know, they does not have that. Um, so I think like, they need to just make sure they're well-researched going into this and that they have a playbook and they have a plan because so much of maintaining PEG is having high velocity of money, um, having a you know high you know money supply, having a lot of you know general utility. And you can create utility with bribes and and you know interest, things like that. Um, but I I only say step carefully because by creating an economy is not fucking easy. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they are, uh, you know, um, but yeah, uh, I, let's, I, let's talk about, let's so, <laughs> to, totally agree with you, Beavis. Like, you know, there's been enough sort of mishaps. So, you know, hopefully they've, you know, kind of been through the gauntlet, learned the lesson, slow down. But like the one thing that I want to point out, like, let's talk about the phantom comeback narrative. Um, and I actually think that Deus has a place at that table. And that is because if you look at the things that are, that are trendy, that like the, the protocols that are now fee-based that are paying back users, you know, the miles put out a thread. I don't know what the, I don't remember what the sort of like jux of the, the, the entire thread was about, but it's effectively about, uh, protocols that are making fees, paying back users to, to utilize the real protocol. yield that one. right? Thank you. Real yield. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and let's put GMX in that category. Let's put Didex in that category. Um, and if you look at the, you know, the protocols that are actually doing really well in the market right now, Didex is blowing up, GMX is blowing up, Gains Network is blowing up, and they all have a pretty common theme, um, which is, um, you know, per perpetual contracts and like perpetual based trading. And if you look at what Deus's plans are with Defix, you know, maybe maybe it's not about re repegging their stablecoin as much. I mean, obviously that drove maybe today, but um, you know. If you look at the success of Didex and GMX and other and other protocols on Arbitrum and other places, if they pull this off on Phantom, um, and it's better than what those protocols roll out because it's a quote-based system as opposed to an order-based counterpart system, which is their that's their selling point against Didex and GMX, um, is that they're quote-based and not order-based, and that's going to create deeper liquidity and better trading for you know the style of trading these these folks do with. Uh, you know, margins and, and, and um, you know, so that kind of trading for perpetual. So my point is, if they pull it off well, maybe this is actually like a, a you know, a, a spark that, that's, you know, it could be phantom back to life. You know, I, I love that perspective, man. I love that play. And bless you, by the way, 24 salute. Uh, you had a little yeah. sneeze there. Yeah, but, I know. thank you. Thank so, you. Uh, you know, let's go down a little road here, man, because I think this is... <sighs> Time to get it's nostalgic. Our, it's our final show. Nice. Let's be it's honest. Our, it's our final show. I want to go down this road because this is uh -huh. this is, has been something that 
you know, it bothered me a while back. It continues to bother me, but it's not, you know, I don't lose any sleep over it. Uh, Beavis is, is doing the, he's flossing. Um, so there's been a tech only focus around phantom for a while, you know, and man, you look at, you look at other networks that have put a business focus down and then they're coming out with good tech on top of their business only focus. And I just have this fear, like there's just, what's the spark that's going to kick phantom back in? Like it doesn't necessarily need to be a bull market. It needs to be interesting, unique ways of earning money, right? That's, I mean, that seems to be generally what it is. Um, but after talking to, you know, the Polygon team and the Optimism team and the Near team and like all these different teams and the way that they're approaching market adoption uh, and then watching DeFi Llama just go boom, 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 boom with TVL, it's, you know, it's kind of disheartening as somebody who dedicated, a, you know, a year plus of his life to trying to help to build this network. Do you guys have any feeling on this? Is there a spark that maybe is on the horizon that can, that can help you know reinvigorate this first of all i i just want to say like there was we can't deny some of the factors that uh like where we had that sort of you know whole ecosystem lifting up um in terms of you know obviously covid and a lot of people having excess money and then free time to look up phantom and a bunch of shit coins but man i just i'm i'm not sure i can see anything like in the near near future like it's tough to really get because you saw for a while phantom was what top five tvl for the longest time we even hit top three at some point mm -hmm. um but that's mercenary money right like you don't you wouldn't yeah. want that sort of money in and out of your ecosystem anyways right and man we i hate to say his name i know you guys like to mention him a lot but uh you know andre was doing that whole voting thing for the top 25 you know projects on the on the phantom network that was a huge boost. Everything was getting attention. Every project was getting looked at in terms of the, the overall sort of thing, uh, sort of DeFi market. But it has to start with a foundation. It has to be something unique, innovative, where there's some sort of yield involved for people to come in fresh. Um, but I, I wanted to say some things, sorry, before we switch topics about Dai and Deus or yeah, sorry if I'm saying it wrong. I don't think they're heroes, bro. Uh, you, I think you guys are so nice about what you guys are saying. Um, replacing, you know, hard assets with, you know, monopoly money, as as some other people have put it. I'm not a fan, and I, I don't think they bounce back. As just a regular guy who's investing, if I'm going to pick between, you know, two projects, one where they talk about what they're going to do, but they have a large debt they have to pay off, or a new project, similar, you know, stable coin. You can kind of lock, borrow against it, anything like that. And they don't have a debt. Other than the community, I don't see it. But sorry. It's I think there's some redemption to be had. I think you're right, 24. But if if they truly do create a platform, like if, all right, if we are going to, you know, say they create a version of GMX that is really wildly successful, that debt ain't shit. Uh, and it'll yeah, be, it'll be long paid and forgotten if they yep. can do it. You know? Yeah. So, so let's like actually look at some numbers. I mean, this market is fucking terrible. I think we all know that. Uh, Didex has 500 million in TVL. Um, I mean, they, they had to they had to leave Ethereum because they were growing so fast that Ethereum was you know too clunky and slow. They had to go to Cosmos and and, and horizontally integrate so they could have a chain that works for them. So, you know, in this in this crap market, if they've got you know half a billion in TVL, I think GMX has 275 million on Arbitrum. But my point is, in this crap market, if you could have that kind of um, 
that kind of volume or liquidity on your platform, what's it going to be in the bull run? A billion more to four X? Who knows? So, so if they can, so for me, this defix thing, if they could actually pull it off and make it, because Phantom is a great chain for technology and it is fast. And I think it, you know, it, it's, it, I, I, you know, I've only used Arbitrum a handful of times, but I imagine that you could probably do more transactions on Phantom per second than you could on Arbitrum. I don't have the stats to back that up, but that's my assumption. Uh, so my point is that if Defix could work really well and bring Didex type, um, you know, volume, then maybe that could actually really, really help Phantom. So I, I hope that it goes that way. Here, here. Yeah, um, I, I, I would say, you know, um, as far as like more transactions per second, every EVM chain is about 15. Um, like really all of this work being done on consensus, et cetera, um, the execution remains EVM, um, which is, you know, as, as we've talked about many times, the main bottleneck. Um, Phantom originally set itself apart by being a grassroots chain and, you know, getting a lot of projects to build on it. Um, and I think, honestly, FTM alerts had a huge part in that, um, like creating that platform to take projects from zero to like, you know, intermediate level of traction um, out the gate is massive, massive, massive. And there aren't many chains with something like that. Um, so, you know, that traction plus, uh, you know, the, the massive respect Andre has in the developer community um, that brought a lot of people to Phantom. Um, and then you throw the incentives on top of that, boom, we're, we, we want to be the best uh, here on Phantom. Um, and, you know, uh, I think they're finding their footing now, but for a period of three to six months, I personally felt like they wanted us off the network. Um, and a lot of other builders felt the same exact way. And the thing is, like, you know, we have a year plus of infrastructure that we've been building. We have a year plus of software under our belts. That's hard to catch up with. Um, so, you know, I think what they need to maybe focus on is getting new and exciting teams onboarded and getting their tokens filling um, phantom liquidity pools uh, and, you know, nurturing those those companies to, to new heights. And then in the maybe two, three, four year time frame, they can be positioned again to, to be really successful. And then, you know, if they can migrate all these people to the FVM, um, you know, it's it's a, a great win. But that's much, much, much easier said than done. Um, and honestly, like with the direction they've been going, I think they can do it. I think they need to maintain this course. Um, I think they need to like listen to Juan, uh, honestly. Um, uh, you know, give give other team members voices. I remember, like, I think just like, you know, maybe bitterness, maybe whatever. There was a lot of, um, there, <laughs> there was right. probably like, you know, during board meetings, a lot of, uh, you know, misalignment. Um, and right now they seem more aligned than they've ever been. Um, and their yep. team is, is pretty different right now than I think it was six months ago. So, they just need to like push it and they need to be a serious company now because the time for like 
you know, free giveaways uh, is over. And as much as they thought their incentives were free giveaways, you know, Boo, Spirit, uh, Liquid Driver, all of these companies minted millions and millions and millions of dollars of their cap table onto the chain. Um, and now companies are holding that token equity, or I guess that those digital currencies close to their chests. Um, and, and it's become, I mean, it's becoming a more efficient market, which uh, is means that deals are harder to strike um, and good deals are harder to find. Um, but they just need to hunt them down and find teams that need capital and need guidance and give that to them. Um, and, and then focus on kind of replicating uh, what was done last year raising the tide uh on phantom and and attracting capital um but yeah uh that's uh i'm on phantom and i'm building a business on phantom so uh i think a lot about um what needs to get done um and honestly like for for businesses at this point on on side chains the best thing to be done is get abstract enough that people don't think about what's going on on the chain um, because it's just like there's so much tribalism, so much drama, so much what, whatever um, that it's best of users. Like the ideal user doesn't care um, about what network they're on. And then it just becomes the network's job to become as efficient um, and competitive as possible uh, in, <clears throat> in the field of, of all these other multi-chain networks. Boom. So, Final topic, the final topic. And you could tell that Clay wrote these topics because he felt Austin <laughs> likely cries in there. I'll tell you, man, this last, and it's not just been, you know, the 50 weeks we were doing this. I mean, we started uh, the Discord, you know, a month or two prior to that and the channel prior to that. And this has just been an absolute, uh, one of the greatest times of my life, man. I have I have really, really enjoyed the people. Really, for me, it's it's really come down to the people. Like at the end of the day, if I were to look back on what was my favorite part of of doing FTM alerts, I can 100% tell you, it was the people and Bebus's cat, and that was you know, and, and Double Sharp's dog wearing a wizard outfit. Uh, that's you know, it's been huge for me. And I I was thinking about when we were in. I was actually looking at the charts, going, man, Abu Dhabi, like really just timed the top of every market so fucking well, man. And it was, and I remember sitting in the, uh, what was it? It was the Yoshi. Uh, they had like their little room on the side and we were shooting Phantom Unchained episode eight. Uh, and it was me and Beavis and 24. And I don't think Double Sharp or Clay or Nick, you guys weren't there yet, man. And we had Simone on uh, and, and we were just, Dude, we were just fired up on all cylinders. Elon Musk had flown his his helicopter into the UAE, and he was going to buy half the Phantom supply because Harry said so. And we were definitely going to ten dollars by fucking February, and all sorts of crazy shit was going on. Boy, and we were just. Cr and Justin called me lube one time. He's like, "Dude, you're just like you're like the KY jelly," and I was like, "What the fuck does that even mean, man?" But guys, I, I'm just. I'm just so grateful to have been a part of this whole journey for the people that I met along the time and for all of you guys that dedicated your time to being on this show. And uh, the show's not going away, by the way. Uh, the show's getting rebranded, uh, you know, same, maybe different different time of week, I believe. Am I right, Clay? We're going to have... Okay. Correct. There's going to be a hell of a lot more going on on this channel. Um, and we're going to be... We've got Way researchers now. Way more. 
Yeah, we're we are we are uh, leveling up, uh, as Beavis might call it. <laughs> Gonna so, miss FTM exciting... alerts, guys. I don't know if you guys remember the Discord days, you know, you know, with the mods and the AMAs, and for a while yeah. on Phantom, man, you like early on, like I had I had FTM alerts Twitter on notification, and then I would just check to see when a project I was interested in was making an AMA, just hop in. See what they're saying either on video or text or voice, and I think those those were the best of times. Everyone kind of looks back yeah. at nostalgia and see how mm -hmm. much like you know energy there was and people messaging, and it was such a good time. Where whether it was Chad Finance or Casper DeFi or God knows whatever else was happening, or Fast um, Moon. Like remember when we had Ching know. on and Justin just crawled right up his asshole. <laughs> Like right on camera, dude. It was so good. It was one of the best episodes I think we ever did, man. Is Ching a scammer or not? We had fun with that, man. We had fun with that. Good times. I, yeah. I gotta give you a lot of credit. Sorry, Beavis, go ahead, buddy. Oh, oh I you know, I just wanted to say like, you know, this has been, you know, a life changing experience, you know. Um there was DeFi summer and then there was L one summer and and you know forging through l1 summer with you guys and and keeping in touch with the community every week like this um like really really beautiful opportunity um connecting with the audience in such a real way um really really lovely like getting trolled every week uh you know getting shout outs every week um you know it's uh you know honestly you know since my career in, in DeFi started it, it has been, you know, beautiful storyline after beautiful storyline. Um, and like, I, I really, really sincerely love this space. I love you guys. I love the community. Um, and I hope you join us on, on this next leg of our journey um, because, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do it bigger. We're going to do it better. We're going to do it sexier. And we might stumble here and there along the way, but... Um, you know, I think our <laughs> no way, uh, our voice, our ability to you know speak with levity and straightforwardness, and and our ability to um, look at problems, maybe a little bit of objectively, maybe a little bit subjectively sometimes, but trying our best to to maintain kind of a a, a decent standard of communication and and transparency um, is sorely needed, uh, and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to continue whatever we do next uh, with everybody, uh, community included. Um, and I figured what would be a final episode without one last long-winded rant. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, really like, you know, the, the ups and downs have all been uh, a joy. And, and I think as time passes, um, we'll we'll just see all of this in kind of the brightest most positive way um so you know see you guys in in 10 years when we're around uh the dinner table um as legends uh, uh discussing our uh you know industrial conquest but um, yeah. <laughs> okay love it 10-4 anyone else want to jump in here before we wrap this sucker up all right. I, 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 I'll just say, like, I, I don't know. I, 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 the podcasts, the very first time I did it, I was a little nervous. They ended up being a lot more fun than, than I thought. I, I do look forward to doing them. And, you know, I think with the, the new plans, um, 
doesn't mean no phantom stuff also. So we'll still talk about a lot of phantom stuff, but we just get to talk about a lot more stuff, which is going to be cool. I'm looking yeah. I mean, I think the one, the one thing I'll say, Austin, I, you know, I, I was thrilled that I was able to meet you, get involved with all of you guys. This has been an absolute pleasure, but I was digging through stats uh, as I like to commonly do uh, inside the YouTube whatever data engine. And, you know, I, I hope that the phantom community and the foundation, particularly the foundation realizes that 7.1 million impressions, 76,000 hours of videos watched, uh, 50 unchained episodes, 67 AMAs, like Austin and all of you guys, like this network has been lifted up so much by this channel, by the community through all of the stuff that's been done. It, get, it kind of gives me chills to be honest with you. Uh, but like, I haven't, I don't think that anybody quite understands the gravity of what was brought from the show. Um, and, and I think that we did try to stay phantom only. I would say it wasn't met with the right um, attitude for 7.1 million press and 77,000 hours or 60, 7,600 hours of uh, content consumed. But Nevertheless, there is new stuff that's coming, and it's going to be much bigger, much more robust, much more frequent. Uh, it's going to have editorial, written, spoken. It's going to be badass. And so I am excited for what's next. Um, as excited as I was to get on this show, Nervous as Shit, the first episode, and you kind of left me in the lurch and went on vacation and said, you got to run this, that was uh, which was the best thing you did. So thank you, Austin, and thank you, guys. All right, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. My name's Austin with the, art the artist formerly known as FTM Alerts. With me, as always, my wonderful co-host, $24, Crypto Clay, Justin Bebus, Double Sharp. Poor Nick. Nick's sick today, by the way, guys. Hey, if, do me a favor. If you haven't liked the video or subscribed to the channel, do that because we're about to have some good shit for you guys. All right. We're getting out of here. Peace. Bye-bye.